Welcome to the History of LSKR one-on-one sessions. I'm Junior Francis, alongside our producer, my good friend, Eric Kohler. This series celebrates and aims to preserve and promote the Skia Rocksteady and vintage reggae scene in Southern California and beyond through insightful conversations with legends and modern-day talents, including those behind the scene. So many people working behind the scene to make this uh, successful. We really and truly want to thank them. So whether you listen to this podcast series or watch us on YouTube, many thanks for your support and your participation. This long-awaited episode is our Latin Skia Roundtable, part one. Join us in welcoming two key players on the scene, singer-guitarist Jose Padilla of Madamosca. Did I say Madamosca, right? Yes, you said it right, yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've even seen you guys and introduced you guys on stage and never really pay, you know, deep attention to the pronunciation I, I did tonight. And see, <laughs> Bernie, Kung Fu Monkey. How's it going, guys? Thank fantastic, you for having me. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. So, welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us today. Our intention, really and truly, is to learn more about the origin of Latin skia and to celebrate the genre that truly helped to keep skia, the skia scene in Southern California and beyond, more specifically in Southern California, where we all live uh, and around the globe, a vibrant. So everyone, let's start by getting some background on each one of you. Yes, H Jose and uh, Bernie. Yeah joining us uh yeah give us a little background um growing up you know where you were born and raised if you don't mind um you want to you want to go first bernie or oh no please go ahead Are you <laughs> we're, we're rock paper scissors right <laughs> uh I, I guess i'll go first uh so i uh my name is jose padilla uh parents are from mexican descent uh i was the first born generation mexican-american um I grew up primarily my youth was like mid to late nineties. So um, I went to high school pretty close by in East LA uh, or Southeast LA uh, in a city called Bell Gardens. Yes. Um, so it's, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, back then it was a little bit more rougher kind of a neighborhood. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was, it was, it was, it was a little slummy um, mm. back then. Yeah. Uh, you know, our high school, there was there was a, a bona fide crack house in front of the high school that would sell all the kids marijuana, and oh. and 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 the kids with more problems, harder drugs, and and so, um, and so that was kind of our, our youth it was uh, you know navigating through a kind of a uh, kind of a very impoverished neighborhood, and a lot of the kids there grew up, uh, you know, liking music. Well, that, a lot of my friends had like very close ties to either gangster rap, which most of the kids were listening to, and then uh, punk rock music, goth music. Uh, so we were really clicky. So there was a lot of hang, you know, a lot of groups. And I, I, I hung out with mostly the people that were the goths and punks and the Scott kids there, so. And, and, uh, and you, you come from a musical family? I, I, I don't per se. I mean, my, my dad played like, you know, like what most typical dads is drunken guitars, you know, at, at, at family events and stuff like that like that um i did get the fortune of like attending schools where they had music programs so i was in 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 that stuff so i would have like marching band 
con uh, choir singing uh, dance all that stuff that, that that kind of just gave me that musical kind of at least structure there so we had a lot of that so lucky enough to have that but again more so no 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 music background in my family okay yeah bernie what about your background uh well i i was i was born in san diego oh we lost it uh bernie audio. i think we oh i think you you're muted, muted. what am i well, there you go now you're better okay okay uh, i was saying uh i'm from tijuana uh, I was born in San Diego. I was raised in Tijuana all my life. I did all my schooling in Tijuana. Uh, and, and I started getting interested in music ever since I was a child. There was always music around or, or there was this, always a song I was singing. And um, around middle school, I started getting interested in punk rock and and and. and and like Jose, I like goth music. My sister was into goth music. Uh, I got into punk rock. I got into alternative, uh, metal, reggae, uh, all kinds of music. But listening to punk rock is what came, got me into ska because I, I obviously I got into bands like the Suicide Machines in the, in the late '90s. Interested in the sound, and then I, it got me searching, and then I then I started uh, listening to the Clash, and I saw they made and sky and all these beats and i started wondering who were the bands and i explored the two-tone era and then i started listening to i don't know uh, to the scatolites or or uh toots and the my toes or byron Lee and the dragon ears so i kind of kind of um, started digging uh i think my love for punk rock got me into sky because all the punk bands that i, I like were mixing sky into it and that and just naturally happen and and yeah i mean tijuana is a very multicultural city uh it's a city of migrants i always say say it's the city of migrants not necessarily internationally but in tijuana you find a melting pot of uh from all the states of mexico and and more recently uh, internationally, like now we have a Haitian community, or or now you start listening to more uh, different uh, accents around the city. That means more people are moving are moving south, and uh, it's it's always been a, a migrant city. Most of the people who like, sorry, most of the people who end up there is because they some of them tried to cross to the U.S. and weren't able to make it, and. Uh, it got deported in Tijuana and they started a family and they started a life. And, and, and there's a lot of those stories in, in my town. Uh, I was born, like I said, I was born in the U.S., but I would, never grew up in the United States. I, I moved to the United States uh, after uh, in my 30s. So uh, due to my work, but uh, I always love music and that's what I do. Yeah. Jose, how is the recording coming over? Bernie is not so crystal clear on this. And how about from where you are? Uh, it, it's a little choppy, but it, you can make out. Sometimes it slows down a little bit on mine. Yeah, and Just... actually, it's better now too, um, Bernie. Yeah. Sorry. No, you, it actually seems to be a little bit better now. Um, so, so start, start talking again. Um, so, so Bernie, you shared through through that background 
your uh, some of the 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 reggae and ska that you had heard um, growing up, Jose, what 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 are some of those early uh, reggae ska uh, memories as far as uh, whether it's hearing on on record or or being exposed to to someone uh, from that scene? From the ska scene, I I picked up a tape from our drummer, or he gave me a mixtape of ska music. So by then, yeah, you know, in high school, you just basically made mixtapes and you would give them to your friends. And he had one that said literally just Scott. And I listened from front to back. And it had almost everything from like local bands. Um, had uh, Mob Town. Had a really old, not old, but really local local bands. Um, even had uh, our friend's band, Chencha Berinches, was on that thing. And yeah. just, it just... A mixture of everything right and i was like i was enthralled by it uh i picked up i mean i saw a lot of it on the mainstream which is probably where where i got was able to access most of that stuff so we were a jump skipping away from orange county i think we're the next town over we could get the oc weekly for free basically so yep. that's where you would pick yeah <laughs> downey california middle earth records you can pick up the OC Weekly and see a bunch of ska shows for cheap, and I would go to those because they were more accessible to me. So I, I would I became an Aqua Aquabats fan pretty early on. Um, I think I saw the Aquabats and Save Ferris play for like ten bucks or five bucks back in the day. <laughs> and we're talking, so, so we're talking, we're talking mid to the latter like, part, right? Like ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninety eight, ninety Right. Yeah, that's that's that was basically where I was really knee deep in it. But you know, there was also friends like Chencha Berinches that, that would do like you know the backyard shows, and and I was fortunate to live in the middle in between both, so I could do the backyard shows with all the Latin kids, and then I would be able to jump over to the OC, like go see some shows that take chain reaction for a few bucks, and I was I wasn't I was not not too far away from everything, so. That's mostly where my experiences were early on. And then uh, through like swapping records and swapping cassettes, you would eventually meet and find out new bands. Uh, old. I didn't I didn't even know traditional ska existed for the first <laughs> like five years of listening to ska music. I'm like, this is this is ska. Oh, wow. And so, you know, from. From in from an area where we didn't have a lot of resources, we kind of just made do with what we had. So especially back then, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was pretty much my experience. Right. So it was primarily some of the ska punk, ska pop type okay. that you would see, right? Yeah, yeah. Radio stuff, anything that we could get our hands on, just that yep. sounded good. We would. Right, right, right. Um. So. L let's let's move on to to Latin ska, right? So obviously it means yeah. means different things to different people. Yeah. My personal initial interpretation, having gotten into ska really in the early, let's call it eighty nine ninety, um, mm -hmm. but my first exposure and seeing what I considered at the time Latin ska were bands like Yes Ska and Jump with Joey and Mental Brew, right? So more of the more of the Latin flavored traditional ska then, yeah. I, then i realized soon after uh and a lot of those those bands that i mentioned you know were, were played shows for lewis from steady beat um then i realized that that, that there yeah. was more to latin ska right 
Um, and, and I and I had heard of or even discovered like Los Fabulosos Cadillacs and and Pantheon Rococo and King Chongo. Um, but how how do you and Bernie? Let's start with you. How do you like to define, if you can define Latin ska? I mean, um, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, I never thought about actually defining it, but uh, or, or or consider. Yeah, yeah. In, in my case, uh, when I started listening to let's just say music in Spanish, that uh, it was the rock in Espanol era. Okay. And yeah. We, we we didn't know we were listening to ska. We started listening to Tijuana, no. And uh, so uh, we didn't know it was ska. We just knew it was rock music. And then like, Maldita Vecindad. And then mm -hmm. Pablo Cadillacs, Auténticos Decadentes. Las Victimas. Las Victimas. And we didn't know it was ska. It was just music that... that so that was... A, it's so, and my definition would be... It's, it's, land ska would be just ska with... with I don't... I, 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 it's, it's very hard to define with the land flavor because there's so much difference in you know Latin America, right? But it's it, it's it's it, it's it's that Latin flavor they put into it. And, and in Malita's case, is uh, Malita vecindad. They, they they sound very Mexican, but if you hear Los Fabulosos Cadillacs, they sound uh, they sound very Argentine. It's 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 the difference that I can, I can't explain, but I know it's there. Hmm. Or if um, or if you listen to La Mojiganga from Colombia, it's it's a ska punk, it's a ska punk band, but it's got it's got its own Colombian flavor. And, and some other bands mix like like they mix cumbia, they mix salsa, some other stuff. Some of some a lot. I remember a lot of these LA bands mixed even a lot of metal into into their right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It's uh, and also it's the it's the social social economic factor that that creates the sound from every specific area. And uh, I see that a lot, like hearing the difference in then me being an outsider that lives in the U S the difference between the, the, the Latin ska scene and uh, let's just say the, the American ska scene, like let's go to orange County and, and bands over there, they're amazing, but they're more poppy. They're like yeah. a feel good, but you go to East LA and they're like harder. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and those, are, those are little, they're harder. They put more metal into it or more punch or it's more about protest, you know? And I, I, I try to pay attention what makes everyone's music unique. And, and, uh, and it, it's a lot of show social economic, uh, economic factors and in the areas, depending where they live, it's, it's the, the end product of the music they do and the type of ska and in the in the Latin world that you see a lot of that you know there's you see a lot of struggle, you see a, a yeah. lot of you know uh, poverty, hunger, and then most of these bands come from that and it, and it and it shows in the music. Uh, how to define it? It would be really hard. But it's, it's oh, no, just no, no, that's, I think that's that's, that's a brilliant, yeah, yeah. 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 extremely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I, yeah. It's, um, I'm sorry. No, no. Go uh, ahead. I was going to ask Jose for you to chime in. I I I he, I believe he said it pretty eloquently. I mean, mm -hmm. I I kind of translate it as like, how do you define Latin jazz, right? Like, how, how do you? Willie uh, Bowman, <laughs> right? Celia Cruz, right? Like, how do you how do you how do you like put a Latin flavor? Like, it is. It's a it's a whole world where you have a a, a spectrum of uh, socioeconomic classes, uh, uprisings, downrisings, protests. You have uh civil unrest uh you have things that 
are very pertinent to these you know latin people uh and i think when like bernie said uh, you know if you pay attention to where they're coming from then you will pick up on these kind of annotations about you know the songs about xyz this guy's songs about the government this guy's songs it's 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 done with a context of spanish spanish language right but it's still pretty pretty wide wide spectrum of of, of definition but very, very well yeah. said yeah bernie yes sir uh, i want to ask you about the uh, the formation of uh last kung fu monkeys uh, i think it was formed in 1997 in tj in 1997 well we were uh, a bunch of high school kids you know we 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 were all from different schools some of us used to be in middle school together but uh we weren't friends in middle school we actually became friends in high school and uh we were just friends hanging around and, and, and we we just we we were into the scene we were into punk rock and punk rock got us into ska uh, we heard Rancid, we heard the Boston. So that was our initial, like, this is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember hearing the suicide machines and we were like, we want to be that. We want to be like really punk. But it's some, there's something about this ska sound that's yeah. really, it really gets to you. And that was our introduction. And then, and over the years, we changed our own, we, be, we made our own sound, but making our own sound got us to explore deeper into the sound, you know, like, uh, I had the pleasure to meet the Scatolites, um, Lester Steerling before he he left the band, and I just to see them perform it was it was mesmerizing. It was it was. Was that in TJ or here in um, America? Uh, TJ actually, I saw him in TJ, and the Agrolites opened the show for them. Yeah, and it was a fantastic show, and um, I remember one of our first shows when we were in '97 playing in bars. We played with. Uh, Israelites. Mm -hmm. I'm ago. I still have a cassette. I maybe have. Maybe I have it here or not. But I still uh, keep the cassette from from that era. Mm -hmm. And uh, and also we were next to San Diego, and mm -hmm. amazing bands were coming out. Bucko Nine, one of the greatest Scott punk bands yes, from San Diego. Um, yes, yes, yes. I mean, uh, there yeah. was bands like uh, like G Spot, Turkey Mallet, Unsteady. Uh, I mean, older bands that uh, they were, we didn't know they were just local bands. We thought they were amazing. And then uh, uh, the Donkey Show. And uh, mm -hmm. then I I got to tour with uh, with the Slackers in Europe. And, and, and then uh, Dave tells me, well, I'm, I, used, I used to live in San Diego and I have this band. And I, I even got to meet his father. He speaks perfect Spanish. David, mm -hmm. David, David, David still speaks Spanish. But um. um I mean, uh, I, I, I've seen a lot of shows that, I, that I've been lucky to see. I saw the specials when they were on Warp Tour, and we were like, wow, we're seeing the specials. Uh, um, I got to play Viva Latino when the Madness played the show. And, uh, and, uh, and, and they, they were like, some drunk dudes were bothering them, and I was backstage, but I always try to keep, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And they were like, I think it was uh, one of them will go like, yeah. It seems like you speak English. Can you help us out? And I'm like, we're tired. We're over this guy. And they, they took me. So it's it's those little stories that I got to tell that I <laughs> I enjoy. And it was madness, right? And and when when we were watching madness, this is this is a craziest part. We were we played with Latino and we were watching madness, but we were watching madness with the guys from Alita Vecindad, wow. and and we were there. We were like, surreal, I can't. Yeah. 
I can't believe Pato and Enchenka are like just dancing next to us, watching the band with us. And we can call them friends. And when I was growing up, I was 12 years old and I was watching Maldita Vecindad. And, and, and for me to say, like, this is what Scott gave me. This is the, like, uh, gave yeah. me the opportunity to get to know all my heroes and play all these great shows and, and love all, this, all these fucking great bands. And, and, and Scott gave me everything. That's super it's, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bernie, talk about talk about getting signed um, and releasing music for the first time. Uh, well, the first time we like getting signed, like to a label, you mean? Yeah, to, to a label and releasing your first mm -hmm. music, or, or yeah. Well, the the first time we released our own music, uh, we saw Punk Band and TJ uh, make their own tape, and they got really popular, and we were like, we should do that. We found out where they recorded. We they this guy had a quarter inch four track, something like that. Mm -hmm. And we recorded three songs, and each song cost us. We paid thirty dollars to record that initial cassette. And and I found out with, you know, and, and, and Tijuana is a manufacturing town. They call them maquiladoras, and they manufacture cars, they manufacture TVs, but they also used to manufacture cassettes. Interesting. So somebody told me they they. they there's a cassette factory over there. You should just go ask them how many tapes they can sell you, blank tapes. And I just went and buy like, bought like 100 blank tapes. And I I mean, I took typewriting in middle school so I can typewrite. I can typewrite properly, not like kids today going like this. Like, but um, I actually grabbed the typewriter and I grabbed some uh, some labels and I wrote Los Kung Fu Monkeys a bunch of times. And I cut them up and I put an inch cassette. And we went and, and we Xeroxed the, the, the insert. We we made our own insert. We Xerox it, and, uh, and uh, we started selling them for a dollar. And uh, we played shows, and like, can you help us out? A uh, dollar, 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 and we bought more tapes, and we made more cassettes. <laughs> and over and over the years, um, uh, a band from Tijuana brought us to Los Angeles, and and, and in Los Angeles, the first time we played, we play actually play with Chencho Rinches. Mm -hmm. They were welcoming. They were they always been fantastic people. They always been great guys uh sorry just a bug jumped on me <laughs> um so um uh, we played los angeles we 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 were a four-piece five-piece we were a five-piece band we weren't we didn't even have horns uh, we started getting to notice uh, the la scene and we started finding out there was more bands they actually played in spanish and and uh they were mexican and, and on, on this side of the border and then tijuana but like tijuana no they're always going to be the kings of sky and ray and punk over there so they 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 were the first introduction to the city and uh, a lot of bands have played ever since wow. oh and then uh after we did the cassette i'm sorry i kind of jumped out of topic but uh we actually meeting like going to los angeles we met we met the guys from union 13 in tijuana and um uh, they recommended us to somebody we played a show at país do and uh and a friend, a good friend came to the show. I met him that day, Oscar Chavez. And he he saw us playing. He went like, hey, uh, this label is doing a compilation. It was going to be, uh, the label was going to be called Limpshrimp Records. It was Phil uh, mm. uh, Raves, the guy from uh, Mystic Records. They did the NoFX record and all this stuff. So we recorded a big-ass studio. That I think it was a studio for movie sounds because it was huge. And they had all these crazy things. We recorded three songs. They never came out. And Oscar, the friend who introduced us, uh, he started One Shot Records. And uh, 
And I found out he was going to start One Shot Records with his band, Teenage Rage, a punk, a hardcore band. And then he signed Schism, a band, friends of ours from Southgate. And I just came up to him and like, would you consider signing my band? And he said yes right away. I mean, I was, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was uh, 19, 20 years old. I mean, I got nothing to lose if you start Epitaph is not going to sign us or anything. I was like Bob Marley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, would you would you like to put out our record? And they said yes. They took us to Riverside to Love Juice Labs and uh, we recorded our first record, Rebuilding the World. And uh, we did three records with them. That's great. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, you never know unless you ask, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and that record got got us touring for the first time. We toured Mexico. We, by the time we got to in transmission, our second record, uh, we got to play a warp tour. We got to tour the U.S. with Voodoo Glow Skulls for the first time. Uh, uh, we started doing more things, and we started playing more in Mexico. And little by little, you know. At one shot records it's i always said it it's because of them we ever did something so nice. they, they... that's amazing and that's actually a good segue right. your, yes, your question. Yes. <laughs> my question right so um you guys toured up, up some 15 countries headline on some instances here stays the biggest names in the fraternity madness Voodoo glow skull flackers agalite what are a couple of fun memories you can share with us Oh, man. Uh, Bad ones too, you know. I mean, I remember the first time we toured, it was with, you know, second time we toured, it was with uh, Union 13 in a Riverside band called Backside. We took him to Mexico and Union 13 was the headliner. After we played our, what would be our, by that time, our most successful Mexico City show, we were like, yay. Next day we go to the pyramids. That was uh, an amazing experience. Wow. So we went to Teotihuacan with, with the whole gang, uh, I remember I injured my, I twisted my ankle at the show by just walking the pyramids. Uh, helped the next day, I felt fine. It started raining, so it's very kind of, it's not often that it, that it rains. And so we got a little rain and it was, we got to climb the pyramids and something. So that's a fun memory. But also the, the little victories. Uh, I talked about this with a friend recently, but uh, it's the little things, you know, like, uh, the first time we somebody the first time we were asked to tour the US it was Blue Glow Schools and we were when we the first time we actually practiced as a band after practice we went to see Blue Glow Schools in Tijuana. They played with the Union thirteen opening for them before they were called Union thirteen. They were just called Union. And uh we saw them and then uh Let's just say uh, seven years later, we're we're uh, seven years later. We're no six years later. We're touring with Blue Gloss Goals in Mexico. Okay, but then we're touring with them for the first time in the U.S. So they they took us under their wing, and uh, I mean we saw them play the first time we practiced, and they took us on our first American tour. Yeah, uh, and we we've been blessed to be to be able to been able to tour with. With a lot of bands that we love, you know, and uh, and play great shows. Uh, play the hometown throwdown with the Mighty Mighty Bob. That was an email that I just got, and I went, I can't believe this is happening. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'd be remiss not to ask um, the clever name. How, how did the name of the band come about? <laughs> there's the myth and the and, and what really happened. So about, give, give us both. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the logo, you know, the monkey face and the, the first monkey face, it was more like a, like a cartoon and, and then they changed. But the guys are, <laughs> my friends are dumb enough to say, oh, that's your face on the logo. That's are your ears. That's your, your, because they all, I, since I was a kid, people always told me I look like a monkey. You know, it's, it's a, but then, and then, then they, they created this and I'm a martial artist. So, um, not in Kung Fu, but I am a martial artist. And uh, and then everybody made up the myth of it was because of my face and my martial arts. And uh, and the reality was uh, that uh, we, when we got together as a band, we didn't have a name. And uh, I remember one of my friends was was, was going to do a, a house show. And, and, and we've never played. And I just went up to him and like, would you be okay if we play your show? And he was like, yeah, what's the band's name? And I remember we grabbed a Black Belt magazine because, you know, I used to buy them. And there was like Monkey Kung Fu, the Monkey Kung Fu stuff. So let's just put, let's call the band Monkey Kung Fu. And they were like, oh, that sounds cool. And um, the band who who was playing uh, the, the, what, we, what would be the headliner that day, Dead Panchos, that was the first Scott Punk band in T1. Uh, the ponchos wow. and they helped us out because we didn't have a drummer so the drummer helped us he he practiced with we were just bass guitar and uh i sang and a friend of ours who owned the trumpet knew the knew that ponchos and we went to their practice space and we're like we don't have a drummer oh i'll play drums and the guy played wow. drums for us and he played our wow. first show he helped us out playing our first show but that ponchos came afterwards and they they already had horns and they and they <laughs> I mean, they they weren't. We we thought they were amazing because we'd never seen them. And then after the years, and I see videos, they were like, "Oh, they weren't that good," but they, you know, they were getting there. <laughs> but uh, that was uh, when we when we when I was seventeen, I was like, "Oh wow, they're the best band in the city." Sure. sure. And um, but it, they 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 gave us a shout out, but they didn't call us Monkey Kung Fu. This they said, "Oh, this one goes to Los Los because Los is the equivalent of the in English." Sure. Sure. And they were in Spanish. This goes to Estaba para los Kung Fu Monkeys, <laughs> and people just started calling us that. There Duck. you go. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And I remember some of the guys. Oh, it's a dumb name. We're not gonna get anywhere with that dumb <laughs> name. We'll change it afterwards. And we never did. And I'm glad we never did. No, the name actually did get us. It did help open a lot of doors because the name itself it's kind of interesting. Clever, absolutely. Um, Bernie, one more question for you, then, Jose, we're going to move on to you. Um, Bernie, can you share some of the approach that the band has to recording cover songs, uh, renditions? Uh, particularly fond of, um, you all do uh, Rancid's uh, Blood Clot and um, The Cure's Boys Don't Cry. Um, but but, but, but talk about kind of your, your approach to to why and, 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 and maybe how. Well, the first cover we... We actually did, and we never recorded it. It was the first song we played. It was uh, No Face for the Suicide Missions. Okay. We had a keyboard, a female keyboard player when we started the band, and uh, and we didn't have horns, and we we did that. We just wanted, we just did the cover like it was. But when we did Boys Don't Cry, uh, obviously they're not a ska punk band or in any way. So we were like, The Cure is one of my favorite bands, and it was my first or second show I ever went to. Uh, when they were on the Wish Tour, I think it was the second show. But uh, Boys Don't Cry was always, a, I thought it was always a great song. And uh, I just told the guys, hey, you know, why don't we do Boys Don't Cry and Scott Punk? Yeah. 
And I know it's it's like you listen to Rebuilding the World. It's uh, it's a very raw record because we we didn't know how to play. We kind of figure it out. So, uh, and it's still to to this day one of the songs that uh, they still ask for when we when we do a set anywhere. They will like the play so people will scream it out. It's it's just it was just because it was one of my favorite bands, and I know some of the guys love the Cure too, and and it sounded like a good idea, I guess. Nice. Uh, it was. <laughs> and Block Clock, we did, we also did uh, Screaming Out of Wall, but we did it like really hardcore. We really wanted to do hardcore, like Minor Threat, and, and because we, we love hardcore as well. Like I grew up with that kind of stuff as well. So, but uh, we did Lobo Hombre en Paris, uh, a, a pop song from the 80s from a band called La Unión from Spain. Okay. And we did it in our own kind of punky, skyish. Uh, saxophone saxophone driven because it's a saxophone driven song and uh when we did block plot um elvis cortez from from left alone you know he asked malvis records and uh, he was doing a tribute to rancid and he asked us hey you, you guys want to do the tribute to rancid and i'm like yeah and uh he said uh what songs and he gave us uh, a bunch of songs and i think it was hassan who said uh we should do block plot because it did it, 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 it he explained, you know, it goes with your voice, it goes with this, 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 this. And I, I, I guess we just kind of figure out how to do it in our own way. And, uh, and a lot of deep were like like those saxophones, because we, we dubbed saxophones instead of including a lot of horns, different type of horns. We, yeah. I don't know, it, it, we just wanted it to sound like a truck is running right straight to you. So that's a good way to explain it. Excellent. Excellent explanation. Jose, to you now, sir. So yes. take, take us back to California, late 2000 in Montebello. Uh, I used to work near there. Um, All right. Mata was formed or born or evolved in your daughter, that actually was. Yes, yes, yes. No, so, so going back to um, uh, when I was in high school, I Actually, most of my band members were people that I knew from middle school um, and and hung out and, you know, we were had our relationship in high school. We had I actually had bands in high school, like uh, I would play in metal, thrash. I would play in punk bands. I had a, I had a ska band with my brother. Um, it was called the Skadias, which is funny. And then we would not do much other than play at each other's houses, backyards. Uh, so that was basically our pastime was to play at somebody's garage or backyard or, or, or something until we get kicked out or we get our parents come home and they kind of just ruin the whole fun. So uh, that was in, 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 in high school. Right. And so when we graduated high school, I, we, all my, I lost track of all my friends. Um, I, you know, got a job and I started going to school. And then one day I had a really bad breakup with a girlfriend. It's funny. Um, and coming home, I saw my, I, on the corner of my eye, I saw two of my really good friends from high school eating tacos at a drive, uh, drive-through car wash uh, on the same block of my house. And I pulled over and I says to them, I'm like, like life kind of sucks now that we're adults. Can we like go back to high school days and play music again together now? <laughs> and so uh, these guys were i would never i was never in a band with them but we were always kind of just not rivals but we knew about each other's bands and we had friends and we knew about each other and it was hector the bassist and the drummer uh richard and 
he said, cool. Yeah, we can start another band. Uh, I'm, I, you know, and, and as poor kids go, it's like, whose house can we practice at? Right. right um, yeah. I had the, I had the fortune of having my own room uh, at that age, still living at home. And so I, I, I voluntold my friends that I was going to use that for a practice and to, to start my band with my friends again. And uh, my bedroom became a literal, there's some videos of that happening, but it became a literal sound recording slash practice rehearsal studio. Um, and, and that's all we would do. We would go work. I would flip burgers and then off time we'd just practice, uh, record music. And the funny thing is like when we were doing that, I remember going to uh, our house and going to watch Bernie come Ooh, through our- with this new record oh, okay. with his top shot records album release thing uh, that I had. That was like one of our, Early on, like before our first show, before we started recording things, we were in the middle of writing things, and so we were. That that's the 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 birthplace of that scene was like around that area, which we had a venue, right? We had a legit place to play music. Now, like we go, I remember our house? Fuck. We yeah. even slept there, dude. <laughs> I was there. I was there with uh, Clemente, who's doing sound as though Katie. He didn't even start in uh, so, the so yet. Was, so you saw those Smoky Monkeys play back then. Yeah, time. yeah, that was it was right when we were starting writing music, kind of just getting back together. Um, I want to say like two thousand, like really early two thousand, maybe like two thousand, like November ish, early two thousand one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that was like knowing because I think a lot of it failed. We we failed ourselves good, or, or you know, just not having venues or places to play at as kids, and only having backyards and and these kind of makeshift venues for ourselves was not very lucrative for us. So there was no real like stage for us, right? There's no real place. And when things like the artists came around, you kind of became, it kind of became your stage, right? Now now you have something to work for. Like at least you have a place to go to, to, to perform, to, to, you know, you look at bands like Kung Fu Monkeys, they, they released a fucking album. Uh, that is on a disc instead of just being taped on a karaoke machine. Uh, and, and, and so you saw that and you kind of like strived to do it as well. Um, we didn't really have like a, a record label that had any interest in it. We didn't have any friends like that or anything. We did have, luckily, we met somebody from a, a small record label called Obscene Records and he would kind of just ghost kind of release stuff he would just basically let show me how it's done basically and 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 then i eventually learned how to make my own records and then basically i was you know i was a guy in the parking lot selling demos and stuff and, wow. and the, I, I would go i would go to ritmo latinos i would go wherever they would sell or try to let you sell them on consignment and i would just drop off 20 or 10 discs and just make my rounds and so you know, I would go to venues, see if they would let me sell CDs, even though we weren't playing. Uh, I, 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 I just, I'd try to hawk the crap out of our music and try to get as many places to play us. And, and I would email them to a bunch of record uh, stations with like curators saying, hey, if you got a Latin ska audience, you can play this and they might like it. And it'd be nice if you played this on your radio station and a writer and this whole thing, like a uh-huh. bio and things like that. Yeah. So I had to learn really fast how to do that because that was my that was my job. Like everybody else partied and and were playing music. 
you were responsible. Yeah. yeah. Certainly has, has played off. And, and, and on that front, Jose, um, so, so talk about touring the U S I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, you also toured Mexico, South America, and some of the bands you've supported oh, years. I, we, we have not toured yet. We're supposed to, before the pandemic, we're supposed to do Brazil and oh, okay. a little Sorry. bit. Um, uh, we did tour Europe. Uh, we did do a, a stretch in Europe, um, but it's mostly local uh, uh, United States stuff, East Coast, West Coast. Uh, where, did, where did you play over in Europe? Uh, we played in Brussels. Oh, we played in Belgium, Germany, um, France. The the run right next to Brussels, the really rich one. Uh, shit, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> Not Luxembourg. Uh, I'll remember it. I just I forgot my geography, but it was, I know that we played uh, Netherlands. Um, a, you know, a few times in Germany, things like that. And it was, it was it's mostly like centered to to the West Europe. We we didn't we didn't go as far as Switzerland. Is that what you were thinking of? No, 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 no. It's it's uh, everybody in Belgium calls it like their cousin country because it's really close to it. all the the really rich banks are there. Right. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah. But hey, um, who are who are some of the bands that you've toured and played with over the years? Mostly, you know, a lot of the stuff that we toured and played with were local scene bands. Like uh, we had like Be Like Max that we did a bunch of runs. We have Steady Forty Fives that we did bunch of runs with uh you know we have uh people out in uh on the east coast that we do runs with um devon k and, and the solutions uh that we do a lot of you know the u.s kind of circuit um so you know we do shows with like slackers and things like that but they're usually just one-offs like either up north in the northwest or things like that but yeah we, we usually just kind of live in a van and Kind of just sleep on grounds and floors and things like that most of the time and some, something some really couch, fancy couch surfing yeah 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 it's yeah. the best i think the best times i've ever had was like you know you unload the van and then everybody runs into the house that we're supposed to stay at and i'm like <laughs> the last one trying to make sure everything's locked up and secure and i show up and i like i look around i look i look around and i'm like everybody's kind of cozy in the couch everybody has a cushion I'm like, all right, I guess I'm gonna sleep under the kitchen table tonight again. Like, <laughs> and, and you're and you're being truthful right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm being completely honest. I've I've been kicked like somebody's grandma kicked me awake one time because I was underneath the kitchen table. <laughs> <laughs> you're not exaggerating. Right? <laughs> wow. That's, that's so crazy. in 2007. Uh, to 2010, you guys um took a hiatus. Then you yes. came stronger than ever, uh, in a subsequent reunion. Take us back. Why you took a hiatus and why you uh reunited? 2007. I I had a. You, you know how I said it was like I was in charge of everything. Yes, and, and so I had burnout for sure. Absolutely. It, it was. It was mostly, <laughs> It was very much a burnout slash i was trying to work also like on a tv career and stuff like that but nobody really never got took off took off at all mundos had like this uh video dj thing that that i was trying to go out for and then it just failed and it was very stressful and so like i a man of kind of just 
learning patience and learning kind of just limits. I just said, you know what? I am, I've done this for six, seven years. I am done for now. <laughs> Understood. And I took a hiatus. I took a hiatus. I, I, I went back to school and I got my engineering degree. Um, and then as soon as, you know, the engineering degree was finished, I, I started working and then I met my buds again. And I said, I says to them, I can, I can actually, I want to do this again. Right. Uh, and so they were gracious enough to say, yeah, man, like we understood where you were at. Um, the guys, they had, you know, their own thing and their own projects. So they took some time off too, as well, uh, from the band. And when we came back, we, we, we came back a little stronger with new people, um, and some of the same old people. Right. And we, we haven't stopped yet. So, which is like the best part. No, yeah. that's, that's amazing. Congrats. And, and yeah, thank uh, you. Will you name check those that are currently in, in the group? Yes. Yes. Right now. So right now our lineup is uh, me. We have Ray Vargas on uh, lead guitar. We have uh, Eddie Rodriguez on bass, Lucas uh, Jacoby on drums. We got uh, Esteban Flores on keys. Uh, we have Robert Verdugo on trombone. We got Jovan, Jovan, uh, Jovan Loera on saxophone. And then we got AJ on saxophone as well. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so that's so, how many. That's how many pieces. Uh... Uh, let me see the numbers. Three, four, five, six, seven, seven, okay. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, um, uh, Bernie, we're, we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, we want you to name check it's, uh, your musicians as well. But one more question for you, Jose. Um, I was reading online. Uh, this might have been a few years ago, but Scott Corcart, Scott Corcartel. Yeah, that's like that's my pseudo label that I made. Junior was scared for <laughs> No, no, no. It was just it was just the pseudo name because nobody would sign us, and so we didn't have. Uh, instead of saying Jose Padilla's record label thing, and then and then I just kind of just gave it a slap to the name, so that people kind of just took it a little bit more seriously than just by not having anything. So it was kind of like something we made made up at the time, <laughs> and. And kind of used it as as a pseudo kind of record label at that time. Um, right. Okay. Well, but, but certainly certainly stuck. Um. So 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 yeah. Bernie, um. We, we, uh, we have we have more questions for both of you, but but uh, definitely want you to acknowledge your your bandmates. Oh yeah, my I have to name them all, <laughs> <laughs> or, or whoever just you the want. important, <laughs> just the important ones, just the important ones. Well, um. But remember, the ones that you leave out, you will pay the price. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, Heki Verdugo, is, it's, uh, he's our drummer. Sometimes he's our bass player, you know, but uh, mainly drummer. Uh, Carlos Rojas has been playing guitar. Uh, Eddie Cervantes has been playing uh, trumpet. Eddie, Eddie's from Los Angeles. He used to play in, mm -hmm. well, he still plays in La Resistencia. And he used to play in the Meddlers, you know. And uh, and then we, we had different people who play with us, like Zach Rowe, who's also from the L.A. area. He plays trumpet. Uh, it's just uh, who else is playing? Um, Esteban. Esteban is playing the drums sometimes. So it just depends on uh, where we're going to go and play. But uh, also because some of the guys, uh, sometimes they can tour, sometimes already they're already committed with 
with other musicians. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, those are the main guys, and uh, and uh, it, they they kind of change every time we depending on the tour we're going to. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Cool. So um, I think we should perhaps uh, take a minute to acknowledge some of the promoters and venues in Los Angeles and the greater LA area. You know, it would include uh, all the way up to Santa Barbara and San Diego. Um, that are in some cases still remain instrumental in the success and growth of Latin Skia and Latin Skia core. Um, I'm going to leave out somebody. Let me rattle off a couple of um, names. For instance, we have uh, Elvis Cortez. Oh, yeah, Elvis. Skia War, Skia Concrete Jungle. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, can you think of any more? Uh, we have. Backyard at the warehouse parties. Yes, yeah, I think. I, Please. Sorry, to interrupt you. I, I think the the LA the Skywars is uh, should be more labeled as the Evil Core. Evil Core, right. yeah. yeah. very, very, very active. In fact, just not too long ago was was a Skyland right earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's down there in Crenshaw, right? Um, yeah. Yes. The, the old. Had, um, uh, was massively successful. Yeah, and uh, Catch One. Yeah, very successful. Yes, yes. This, right, this, yeah, right. Early. Really good show, yeah. Right. Um, and Concrete Jungle, uh, also promoter, right? Um, also, yes. Uh, a sky and punk promoter, yes. Right, right, right. Um, um, Adrian from Roscoe used to do uh, the um, Skank and Reggae Fest, which, which was super cool over the years. He did that a couple of years, but... Yeah. Right. Company. Yeah, a couple of years also with Golden mm-hmm. Voice at the Shrine. Uh, but 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 name some. Oh, yeah, some I went to that show. I remember that yeah, show. Yeah. Really <laughs> but but name some other promoters from the scene. Uh, I I would like to mention Balti Rodriguez. He used to, he's the yeah, one Balti. who was at our house, and uh, he then he had yeah. the uh, the Allen Theater in Southgate. Yes, Allen Theater. And, Absolutely. And maybe he's not as uh he's not promoting as much as he used to back in the day, but he was very instrumental and then getting yeah. a lot of chance to play shows. So it's just implacable. Jorge Leal, también. Jorge Leal. I mean, he, he yeah. he's not. He, he gives lectures now because he's got a doctor. He's a, he's yeah. a good guy, and he was uh, yeah. he was the first guy to bring us to LA. I oh, remember yeah. That. yeah, must be. He was the one that booked us to. Yeah, he was the one that actually booked us first shows in Hollywood. That that's oh, Jorge Leal. Yeah. Okay. He was very instrumental in like a lot of bands going to bars and things that we wouldn't have a chance to. Like, yeah. yeah. Get us to play venues like the Roxy and the Whiskey. Like, mm-hmm. Jorge Leal actually, like, like factory. from somewhere else. Yeah. He, was yeah. The, he was the guy who gave us a chance to play a real venue. In, in nice. LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember, at least in the 90s and maybe even early 2000s. Um, Luis. Uh, yeah, and Taraz uh, Hamai. Right. That, yeah. Oh yeah, and Montebello. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a Subrock. That's LA. Subrock. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. What was that last one you said? Uh, 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 LA Subrock. That's the one who would do the Teresa Mai shows. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then towards uh, the, the pre-pandemic, I think um, Las Globos played an instrumental role. Oh, yeah. They were doing a lot of those too. Yeah, they were doing yeah. Yeah. Even 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 in Orange County at the slide bar, we we got to play a bunch of shows. Right. With, yeah. Right. You know, like yeah. for be to the to the public, it was, that was great. Right. And uh, I think JC Fandango was a big one too back in the day. Right. Mm-hmm. Javier Castellano, yeah. yeah. You are right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know uh, what venue is playing an instrumental role now? It's um, uh-huh. Don Juan. Oh yeah, Don Juan. Yeah, yeah Don Juan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Don Juan. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go back and Junior touched on this, but let's go go back and talk about the importance of some of the backyard parties and some of the warehouse parties. Super important. Yeah. Um, you did did Madame Moscow play um, those back in the day, or did you attend a bunch of them? <laughs> that was our. That was our, our. We would do. There was one year when we first started, or early on, we would literally do three backyard shows every weekend, nonstop. Really? In in South Central, in LA, and North Hollywood, all over LA. And were these primarily people that you knew, or like random people? We were. We people were just saying, "Hey, we had a we have a show. Do you guys want to be on the bill?" I'm like, "Yes." And then we were just we would just go, and then we would show up, and then we'd just wait for the cops to show up. And most of the time, cops did show up, and we we would get harassed. And, <laughs> and, and Burn it down. That, that is that is the epitome of grassroots, right? <laughs> Literally, yeah. but but I mean, you can, if you can imagine a backyard. Filled with 300 kids drinking, dancing, punching oh, each other. Oh, that's yeah. about up close it's huge. Really... Up close in person, no stage. You're just in the in, in the nothing separating. But I, I lost a couple of teeth, like <laughs> <laughs> just playing shows, and 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 you know, uh, you you know, you walk, you push instruments down the street, and and uh, you became very very ingrained in the area and you 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 kind of became appreciative of all those experiences just because they gave you more fuel for your music to proceed like they fired your your ability to write more music or to hang out with each other and to meet new 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 bands you know to in in every backyard like early on in la scenes like shows that were that were being put on for ska weren't really all ska shows. They were mostly half metal bands. Okay. And then the bill would be basically like four metal bands and then two ska bands. And the first ska band started at 1230 at night. And, 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 and they were at these like grimy little Legion bar shows and stuff like that. I remember playing those. Remember those? Remember those? And, and the, American I mean, Legion. I remember American Legions. I remember the bill would be a bunch of punk bands. And they would just talk shit to you because you played ska, and then you you you're up at one thirty, right after last call, and then you have thirty minutes to play, and then you do it, and you so you did these things, and and is this because the same? This, no, no, no way, <laughs> no way, no. Now now we you know we we. No, I mean we not have, necessarily for your pop, but for ska band. Oh, is it still like it's really hard? No, I mean now it's. If you, I, I, I kind of envy a lot of the new bands. Like I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, geez, you, you have so much, like so many contacts. You can just talk and get in venue and start playing, and so much exposure. Like this is insane. You you don't have to put yourself out there a bunch of times and try to figure it out. Um, I think now it's a lot easier, I, especially since there is a crowd, since there is an audience. Like when I when I took a break and came back, that's when I felt the change. Like. Mm-hmm. when i took a when i took a break and three years three or four years later i came back and i realized people were like buying tickets and these shows that uh, at venues were actually getting sold out i'm like what the hell like this never happened like more more credible venues more more credible promoting um yeah the scene, the scene also must have grown during that time period. oh yeah insane so many more bands i like I, 
I mean, for back in the day, it was like basically it was Chincha Berrinches, Viernes 13, Kung Fu Monkeys, uh, Vidas. It was just a bunch of like smaller, like there may have been a handful of bands and they were basically from each region of LA. So you had you had one band from North Hollywood that would be kind of popular. You had one band from Riverside. You know, you got the, the, the band that was pretty popular. You had the one band from like Wilmington that was super popular, Elvis, right? And then you had the one band from East LA that was pretty popular, which is, I guess, us or whatever. And then you had South LA, you had West LA. You had one band from, uh, there was one band from every region that would try to infiltrate their regions. And so we invited each other's bands as much as we could and we infiltrated all these areas to get more exposure to to be able to 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 broaden our horizons with people you know going to these shows um, and some good camaraderie yeah yeah oh definitely yeah there was not i don't i mean i don't think i've ever had a bad blood with bernie ever like i, I think no i, I mean we we, we, we I, went pretty okay with each other over the I, years i don't th- I don't think you, actually the main reason for this is we need you guys to talk to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is therapy session. All right. Therapy build, session. We're looking to build some trust, Bernie. <laughs> okay. That's, I need sounds... words of affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Bernie, talk, talk about uh, did you guys play a bunch of warehouse parties or backyard parties? Well, yeah, and, and and Tijuana when when we started, they, we well we didn't have venues, so uh, like like uh, like a real venue for. I mean, we were a handful of local bands, and we played at backyards. Uh, I did a show at my house when I was seventeen. That was the first and the last because my parents were like, "It's pretty cool," but we weren't expecting also like three hundred people at my parents' right. house. Right. That was pretty fun, but we would we would do that. We were like, "Oh, this this guy's got a big yard. Let's do a show." And we would bring and we would we would mic up with the, we would put the mics on on amps so we could have a like we because we didn't have a PA, and then yeah. and suddenly there was somebody promoting a show and like, "Oh, you guys want to play at this bar or you guys want to play here?" And uh, or there was a big warehouse in Tijuana where they did big shows. It was called Studio Uno. It was like a like a a, a radio station owned it. So, so little by little, we started playing from houses. Then we got to to bars and some stages, and suddenly we started getting invited. And we, over the years, with to to play and open for bands and stuff like that. But we did a bunch of house shows. That was, I mean, they were fun. It was like like a let's just say when you when you when you're not the popular dude, it's a good way to make friends. Sure, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting enough. So uh, one question that has been uh, baffling a lot of people, including myself, why do you feel there is approximately more Latin bands uh, leaning into ska punk, ska core, instead of more traditional scatalites kind of ska for both of you? Jose, you first. If, if, if I, you agree, if I, you agree with us. No, I, I do agree. I mean, I honestly think that there, there's more scott punk bands but I, I don't think there's too much of a difference of people that go to these like venues right to these events so um but I, I think there is more scott punk and i think it has to do with like i think we were talking about the definition of latin ska like uh like i, I think you have to do with you, you might put yourself in a place where you know you have uh, kids that generally probably not affluent they, you're, you're you know they don't have the resources they don't they have a couple struggles they that you know typically 
you will not see in a more kind of uh, like socioeconomic class that's a little bit higher end, right? And so punk music, just in, in general, it speaks to the disenfranchised, it speaks to the people that believe, you know, that there's, uh, you know, something wrong with society. <laughs> and so there's something wrong with the way that the either government's been being run or something, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and I think the punk aesthetic or this punk and the punk uh, movement just kind of brings those kind of elements together and people are a little bit more attuned to that and they want to, that's what they internalize and want to make music reflect that, right? So yeah. uh, at least that's for me. I mean, I... I, I, I like that, yeah. That's... that's... <laughs> that's pretty fascinating uh, bernie what about you i mean uh can you repeat the question for me just well it, the question again. It, it was it was we feel that there's exponentially more leaning towards yeah more latin bands that punk yeah yeah as a like you'll get delirium steady 45s agra lights type uh, chris murray yeah I, I see that more like in the in the U.S. and Mexico. It, it's a little different. It's uh, there's a very wide spectrum, but I can tell you this: uh, there is more bands that go for the Latin rhythms of, of ska punk music. Okay. Yeah. Ska punk music, they go like more into mixing cumbia, salsa. Even some 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 of them would mix a little norteño music and. Yeah. and, and so there's there's I can say there's a lot of that in Mexico. Um, there's a good uh, traditional scene. Jamaica uh, 69, este, Mascatesta. Who else? Uh, the, the, the travelers down there, right? Yeah, and uh, este uh, Inspector and uh, uh, Chuy from Inspector has another band, but it kind of kind of slip my mind right now but um uh capital sound you know like that's what that's their name there's a good scene of that but there's also like i i, I would say in mexico the ska punk scene is not as big as the as the ska scene that mixes like panteo rococo that mixes all mm -hmm. these different rhythms uh, yeah uh, it's not like uh, la tremenda corte royal club all, all those yeah. all, all the mexico like all the mexico all the central mexico scene that's a lot of that and 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 and, uh, and Scott Punk is always a little bit. It's been a little bit less than than all of them, but um, it's just there. I mean, if you go to every state, it's 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 all different. It's sure, all different. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But how about here in Southern California? You're in Southern California. I I see the the land scene that that tends to go to the harder sounds. Yeah, and I mean, there, there is a new traditional scene like like like. Uh, like the steady 45s and, and all those bands. And there's a lot of Latin people and Mexican people in those bands uh, sure. that I know. Um, but I, I uh, back in the day, I, I when I started playing in LA, I remember Chencha Berrinches and they, they had this weird mix, but it was hard, you know, like it was hard. And then, then, uh, then I started seeing bands like, uh, like La Resistencia. It's like a scock war all the way, you know, and, uh, and suddenly I see a band like the Paranoia that they're slightly different or, or Matamosca or 
Um, but then uh, I, I compare them to, like I said, originally, like uh, the social economic situations as every city. I go to Orange County and they sound more popular. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's because it's, uh, I don't know, it's a different lifestyle, uh, um, different status. I, 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 it's just things that I like to pay attention and see why is the difference and why land people tend to go to the harder sound. Uh, maybe uh, I, I would say it's uh, and then a, a lot of minorities like ourselves would, would understand that uh, there's a lot of struggle in between. In, in our lives so it it, re, it reflects it's a reflection of our of our situation you know it, it reflects in the music i have a joke it's every yeah. la, every latin punker has a portrait of joy ramon on their wall oh there we go yes <laughs> um yeah no th and thank you thank you both for, for sharing your thoughts on that um uh, here's another one for you. Um, do you feel that there's greater crossover and a shared fan base between the Latin ska and reggae scenes than, um, than say, um, compared to say the more traditional ska and 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 the reggae scenes? Because we've, as Junior can can speak to really well, um, you know those scenes don't always. Uh, Fans of, of of ska bands don't always come out to see fans of reggae bands. But do you feel if you're if you're and Adrian, right, who we mentioned earlier from Roscoe and when he had the the skank and reggae fest, he would blend some, right? So so curious for your thoughts. I mean, I, I like reggae. I I think it mixes very well with 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 all these bands. Uh, I mean, uh, I I I wouldn't see why people would be uh, not happy with the difference i would just say uh, uh i enjoy it i enjoy reggae as much as ska or punk rock and uh there's something special about reggae i think uh, in any show is it, it would blend perfectly with 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 us I, I mean i've toured with a reggae artist i toured with i toured canada with my band and we were opening for jacara and jacara is a reggae artist mm -hmm. he's from jamaica he's and we we connected very well. We were having a great time, and uh, and we shared a lot on that tour. So I, I think it blends well. I don't wouldn't understand why people wouldn't like something or the other. Uh, I know there's people who are more militant to their sounds. I remember uh, a, a a friend who someone who became a friend years after, but he was a kid and he came up to me and he's a skinhead and he went like what do you listen to? And I told him I listen to everything. I listen to, I listen to hip hop. I listen to metal. I listen to punk and like, Oh, but you're into this. So you should only listen to this. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, you don't go to Baskin Robbins and eat vanilla all the time. Every time you go, there's 31 <laughs> fucking flavors you can try. Right. I mean, I want to enjoy life. I want to enjoy music. And uh, I wouldn't see why people wouldn't be understanding of one side or the other. Uh, I mean, maybe that's just me i mean the purest maybe i i mean it, it, it's that's that's on them i don't know you can be a purist and still enjoy everything else. of course mm -hmm. yeah i like that you can be a purist yeah, and enjoy absolutely. everything else. yeah, yeah. Jose, <laughs> yeah. what are your thoughts um i i i think the same way i, I i've seen um, like I've gone to traditional shows and every time I go to traditional shows, like I'll meet 
at least a couple of people that know my band. So it's like, they're like, Oh, I love your band. I'm like, cool. I didn't think anybody here would like that. Like I, I didn't think anything. Any, and a lot of them were truthfully like, like we haven't been to a, you know, a punk rock or ska punk show in a while, but they, you know, we're, we, at one point we were, we were like their gateway kind of band to, to this, the traditional scene and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it sounded like, and so like, so I, I would go, you know, I, I've done a couple study 45 shows or Western standard time shows and stuff like that. And I do meet people and I recognize them. I'll talk to them and uh, I'll tell them how the band's going. And I'm you know, surprised that you like my band and you come to this kind of show. And, and you know, but it, it is, it is makes sense. If you like music, you, you kind of, I don't see your, I mean, I wouldn't be stuck in something. I would, I would, that would be hell. Like if you were stuck in one genre of music, uh, now, nowadays I, I listen to everything I can. <laughs> yeah. But What's, that's, that's different if you're not a musician though, for musician, yeah. I suppose you listen with different ears. Oh right? yeah. 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 Right. But for, uh, uh, supposedly someone who just listens for listening sake. Yeah. And I think the shittiest part about being in your lane, I don't necessarily no, no. No, I think, and it also as part of being a musician, the shitty part is you can't see a band without putting on your like musician goggles and looking at their technique and their guitars gear. You can't just like turn that off. You're yeah. kind of just looking at their pedals and looking at the soundstage guy and looking at, I'm just looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> How many monitors do you got? You got in-ears? Do they have in-ears? No, no in-ears. Oh, that's crazy. Right, right. How many wedges are on stage? Like, so, mm-hmm. Nice, <laughs> I think but, we're coming to the end. So okay. I wanted to ask though, if uh, what are some of the most crucial international ska festivals, and not only in Los Angeles but throughout the Latin Americas that you are aware of? I think what is it? Oh, like uh, the one in the, uh, the Victoria Ska Festival and then in Victoria, Canada, and the Montreal Ska Festival. Montreal yeah, as well, was known. Yes, yes. Victoria, yeah, very well known. Mm-hmm. Mexico and then Mexico and Central Mexico. Yeah. I think yeah. There's, there's one in Baja California, no? There's a... I love Scarfest and Rosarito. Yeah. 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 Mm. And they call like a, a Scarcore Invasion and Scar Wars that are evil core. Uh, right. Uh, right. Uh, I mean, those, I think those are great. They're always sold out. Yeah. And there's one on the East Coast up in uh, Supernova, in Virginia. Super nervous yeah. Right. That was always fun. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. That's coming uh, up in November. Uh, yeah. October. September. September. September yeah. 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 Uh, um, but Bernie, uh, Los Kung Fu Monkeys played uh, Tazing and the Scott Parade's uh, anniversary. Right? You did yeah. One, right before, right before the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is, that was our last tour. Yeah. Wow. How, how did that go? It was fun. I mean, uh, Hans Gruber and the Diehards are a fucking great band. Uh, Joker's Republic, uh, amazing kids, very yeah. talented. Three guys, they're they're they're, they're, they're I, I can see them in the future becoming something greater. Oh, no, uh, yeah. Onyx, uh, the follow just you know, they they play so tight, so perfectly. Like, a, they, they, it's like it's watching music nerds at, at their best, and I love that. You know, I, I admire people who actually are perfectionist and craft and i feel that the holophonics try to do be perfect and then that they're a great fucking band so that was our our last actual tour that we did before pandemic and uh mm-hmm. it, 
and it was fun it was fun we 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 this is this is something we did naturally comes to us and we like to do and uh, and like i said music is has made it easy to make friends uh, all over the world and uh, maybe for some for a guy that wasn't really easy for him when he was in school and stuff like that music music got us in. yeah yeah so uh, uh yeah i was going to ask uh, how difficult and challenging is it to get in some of these um international festivals that are taking place uh, worldwide well in in in, in our case it, it, it wasn't as easy but I, i've never seen it i've never seen stuff uh, things difficult so maybe they're not as easy but what i an outlook. <laughs> no it's great uh, <laughs> uh in in our case in tijuana we we had some good people uh that uh were willing to give us a hand without even uh we, we, there was nothing we could offer to them and they still lent us a hand you know wow, wow. Um, we started playing shows we uh, at houses then bars then suddenly we get to play a little venue in TJ and it's owned by the, the guy who's the biggest promoter in the city and uh and we go up to them and then like could we open for Baco nine because we knew they were gonna play and we just went up to them and like they were like yeah you guys mind giving out flyers and maybe selling some tickets and like no we were with Bucko and I. And and little by little we started opening because uh and we started playing where the local scene wasn't big and and and, and maybe this is why I see that I don't see difference uh or or any any um animosity towards any other genre or subgenre from ska or like their traditional or that because when we when we grew up we were one of two ska punk bands uh there was a like a third a third wave ska, ska band and we were that's all the ska bands in the city but we play with the hardcore bands we play with the punk band we play with the alternative rock band uh we play with the with the reggae band i, I remember um, there was a uh, reggae bands and and stuff we all played together because we didn't we always saw it as a local scene and not exactly a ska or punk scene so yeah. it's we called it la, la cena musical de tijuana the tijuana's music scene and uh and, and and back in the 90s and the 2000s there weren't that many of us when we started to grow is when everybody started doing everything by niche um, but um i mean little by little we started doing that and the same promoters and uh, and, and we are very grateful to bulldog productions and in, in tijuana enrique bon borstel is uh the owner he he's always supported us and it's uh because of people like him oh. that uh when we were going to do our first record release show we didn't know how to do a show like properly he's like you guys are going to come and work in my office for a week you're going to do this i'm going to tell you what to do we're going to rent out the venue and you're going to try to sell tickets and he taught us how to do the work another person would never do that or maybe uh, there was something he saw in us and um I remember he was there when we played Vive Latino. Mm. Vive Latino wow. is one of the biggest festivals in Latin America. Right. Mex, the biggest festival in Mexico City, and he was on he was on stage watching us play. Uh, I mean, this was 2012, and we started in '97. He met us in '98. Wow. So he, all those years after, he, we did a 25 minute set because it was a big festival. Everybody plays short sets. The whole in front of the stage, somebody they told us it's 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 gonna be empty. It's it's Friday, the worst day of the festival, and it's early. It was packed. 
Bedrock. Nice. Bedrock. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but that's the importance of, of keeping those relationships too. And I get off stage and he tells me, I don't have anything to say about this show. It was just perfect. Mm-hmm. That means a lot. So it's people like got to do our first festival in Tijuana. Yeah. And, 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 but we put in our effort too. He told us, yes. you guys, you guys mind working this show and I'll let you play this show because, and that's how we got into working production. And that became my, my, my profession for, for many years, not work for a record label, but it was those little things that got me in through the door that helped me out to, to develop my career in life. You know? The willingness. No, oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, Bernie, you, you touched on earlier the importance of Tijuana No. Um, uh, who are some of the other godfathers or godmothers or, 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 or those that, that, that you two um, want to give credit for, maybe not just specifically for your bands, but just for helping helping um, popularize, right, and, 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 and really shine a light on, um, you know, the, the, the Latin ska or, or Latin ska punk type, type, type sound? Yeah, well, well, we didn't know with Ska and Tijuana, no, there were a genera- generation before us. Right. And they yep. were just, and we were like, wow. And we started studying them. Uh, I want to give them credit, but I also want to give credit to bands like, there's a band nobody knows. They're called, uh, I don't think anybody knows about them. I still got the recordings digitally for myself. They were called BAM. Uh, okay. I remember when I saw them play, they were they became my local my local hero idols, and I, I wanted to be them. And so it's been, and they used to mix up mix up uh, they they used to play like pop punk, but they used to mix up ska punk like Operation Ivy. Oh, nice! <laughs> so they they did they had ska songs and they 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 played pop, but they they could have been a Fat Records band, but maybe uh, they were for a Mexican band where they were ahead of their time, and then and maybe they weren't. People didn't pay attention to them because they sang in Spanish, and uh, maybe a label. A pop, there was no popular punk labels in Mexico, so the only ones we yeah. knew were Epitaph. So. Yeah, yeah. It's Dan Bam Tijuana No, uh, Natural is a reggae band that also helped the scene back in the day. You know, like uh, they they were one of the guys playing reggae. Uh, Dead Panchos, Dead Panchos opened the door for us in the local scene. You know, and they were. I mean, they don't they. They were a great band, and uh, something we so we run into each other every once in a while, and they like it, it's nice to see people who helped us out, you know. And one of them, uh, we we played a show in Texas. He showed up. Hey, I live in Texas now. Dead uh, Panchos, and 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 from the U.S. side, the fans that actually helped us out and gave us a hand. Union Thirteen, they're the reason we ever recorded anything because they introduced us to everybody. And the first band who actually brought us to the U.S. was Buddha Glow Skulls. And uh, right, nice. we're forever grateful to Buddha Glow Skulls in, yes. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, Jose, how about you? Yeah, definitely uh, Buddha Glow Skulls are pretty pretty up there. I think they did they did a lot of paving the way for just seeing, at least for me, like seeing like uh, brown people play ska, like uh, that, that kind of identified with. Brown people on uh, epitaph. <laughs> we right, never right, yeah. Right. yeah yeah the spanish you, they would have records that were in our you know in language that my dad could understand kind of thing right and so that that was a big big hit um local stuff I, there's a band called quince letras that was mm-hmm. a pr- pretty instrumental in in the scene um he, they would play a lot with chinchaberinches they would play a lot uh they would they were paving the way for, for a lot of bands to come up and be able to kind of 
they were, they were becoming the top acts while, you know, they were looking for, for, for openers and they would, they would basically be our band. Uh, they eventually. helped us up in the day. They actually yeah. named us one of their songs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's, yeah, Kinsella is pretty instrumental. I, I, I still talk to the, we, we, we have a rehearsal studio that we rent out monthly and I, I see once in a while the guys from Kinsella just running around and uh, we, we kind of shoot the shit sometimes and, uh, it's funny because they're like, "Oh man, you're still into it." I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, as, as long as I can do it. Like, if there's lungs in my, there's air in my lungs, I'm I'm still gonna be playing this pedal in my scuff. I'm, I'm not gonna stop." <laughs> but um, you those mentioned- those are probably right. Sorry. No, I'm saying those. You mentioned the most- people keeping scale going. It's pretty much the same out here in Southern California. It's especially yeah. traditional. Got you know, Jamaican gave that up a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a really funny story that okay. when we play, when I played with Sister Nancy, yeah. uh, and the Reggae Fest out in Austin uh, a couple years ago, yeah. uh, I, I've never seen Sister Nancy live in person. I've only seen her records where she was like fifteen or sixteen, yep. and so like basically we're we're driving from out of town. We're it's like a six hour drive to Austin. We show up right before we started playing. And I had eaten some really bad jerky, right? <laughs> and I had to go take a shit really bad. And I was just like, I asked this like really tall lady. I was like, Jamaican lady. I'm like, excuse me, can I use your restroom? Because I, 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 my stomach really hurts, like <laughs> really hurts. And I'm, and I had no idea who this was. And I run the, I run the. She's like, yeah, you can use my restroom. I'm like, okay. And then I bombed that restroom. <laughs> it, was in, it was inhabitable for human beings to use afterwards and 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 so we did it we opened up the set we opened up the day at the austin reggae fest um and then you know hours later this majestic woman comes out and they introduced her as sister nancy and then i just look her right in the eye and she looks at me right in the eye and i'm like uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great that's <laughs> Well, this person last time we did that that event. We yeah. were not invited. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, but she she comes to LA regularly at the dub club. You've never gone to see her. I I, I you know what? I always think I'm gonna be like the guy in the corner that nobody wants. Like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, but well, I, most of the time, uh, Quinto Soul back, backs her too. Quinto yeah. Soul, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are great. Back in her, yeah, really. So around- yeah, yeah. Quinto is is her kind of her go to at least for a lot here in the states. Although the most recent show at the Dub Club was um, uh, Soul Syndicate forward Santa Davis and them. But um, but yeah, Quinto Soul they play with her a lot. So shout out to Mark Martin and the guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a long history of, as you mentioned them back in Legends from Jamaica, going back to the days of uh, the autonomous music making machine, Gregory Isaacs, and a whole bunch of artists. Like Dennis Al Capone. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. They're true, true. They don't great. Nice. Great musician. The respect that they so rightly deserve. True. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And as you learn where Scott came from and you get more respect about the roots and, and kind of, you kind of, you know, you become, if, if, you know, you become a big part of this huge movement and you're just kind of humbled, right? And, and that we're considered in the same spectrum of, of music, kind of. So. It's amazing. I'm, I'm always kind of tripping out. Yeah. yeah I'm, 
I was in Mexico with um, Clarendonians this past week and um, the drummer, very young, very, very young. And Clarendonian said he really and truly has the, the Lloyd Nibs style down towards wow. science. There's nothing that Nibs was doing that this guy wasn't doing. And that <laughs> was the, what are the reggae, uh, reggae boys? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A spinoff of Travelers. Yeah, I think they, they alternate drummers, but we had met this drummer before in 2019 when the Clarendonians were there. And I was blown away. They said, oh no, somebody joked and said he was from Colombia, but he's actually from, uh, from right there in Mexico. So yeah, they Thanks. used him again. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks, it's amazing. Great musicians, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, as we as we near the end here, um, what uh, what current projects? What do you guys each want to promote and make sure? Where's the sound coming from? I don't know, a little feedback, yeah. Um, but Bernie, let's start with you. Um, well, right now we're we're taking a break. Uh, I mean, we've been playing for twenty five years, and uh. Uh, on the personal side, I, I, I work for a record label. Uh, I'm going to be traveling soon and uh, working with some artists that uh, I really enjoy. Uh, as a record label, uh, I, I'm very proud to be there. Uh, they were the record label for Los Fabulosos Cadillacs in the U.S. for a while. Uh, they've had, we've had signed uh, Manu Chao. We're currently Tokyo Scott Paradise uh, North American record label. So it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool gig. That's great. Uh, you guys looking to uh, sign any reggae, a ska, traditional? I'm sorry? You looking to sign any traditional ska? Bro, the label's always open to 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 listening to everything. They, we, at that label, we got from electronica to rock music to to cumbia music to uh, uh, even even a Willie Bobo record. Nice. Uh, uh, we we actually did a uh, Adrian Quesada's uh, "Look at My Soul" album, uh, uh, the uh, Texas side of soul, uh, land soul. Or I don't I, I, maybe I got the title, but I'm paraphrasing. No, that's cool. It's um, you know Adrian Quesada plays in Black Pumas, and he did a whole soul record from music from Texas from back in the day. Yeah, he got right. an lineup. It's a fantastic record. So I really enjoy my that that side of uh, other aside and then music as a musician. I. I I've enjoyed traveling the world and many things. And as uh, going into the music business, I just enjoy being around every kind of music. It's it's uh, uh, it, it's my daily joy. No, I love that. And, and you mentioned those fabulous Cadillacs. I just mm -hmm. saw them last week in a Coachella. Um, oh yeah, right. Really yeah, they they were they had a huge crowd. I was really impressed with. Um, Even the kids are playing in the band now. It's uh, it's uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, Jose, what about you? Uh, we have an album coming out. It's supposed to come out in fall, right? 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 When we go on tour with uh, Big D and the Kids Table and Mustard Pluck, so we have right. Uh, I saw that announced. <clears throat> That'll be a great yeah, deal. That's, that's going to be cool. Um, this week we're we're flying out to the Midwest. Just a quick. We're going to do a quick five four day thing. Um, we're going to do Idaho. We're going to do Denver, Salt Lake City, um, and then next week we have a show with. Uh, Manic Hispanic, uh, the Aquabats, uh, Plague Vendor out at the House of Blues in Anaheim. Cool. Um, it's gonna be kind of cool. I, I recommend you go because it's gonna be a day where the Aquabats do nothing but cure covers. Which I saw that. I saw. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you should go. And 
the inner goth man just wants yeah i knew you want to see that Brandy. i do but it's an orange <laughs> <can't still> <laughs> i'm getting old man <laughs> yeah. but, so, uh, so how do we get some of the legends to uh play some of these tours that you guys go on uh LA is the exception. They'll get work here in LA, but outside of LA, it's difficult next to impossible. Apart from Scatalites is the only band that go, you know, on tour. And when, you, when you say legends, you're talking about like the Stranger Coles or the Keith and Tex and some of them, right? Mm, because I don't know when you have a legend. Right. <laughs> well, you mean like how do we like uh, how do we just go out and stuff? Like yeah, how that? do we open up some doors for them? I, to to open up for them, I mean, no, 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 open doors, not for you to oh. necessarily. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Um, I I think it's just you know spreading the word, uh, just kind of showing up and and doing you know like face to face and wets and some of those places. Yeah, the the Midwest, like, we're like we're like famous in Indiana. I don't know, which is weird. Like, every time cool. we go to Indiana, there's like a newscast out there in the uh, in hey. and. and and I love I love Indiana, like Indianapolis, the the Melody Bar, the Melian. It's like such a nice bar. Um, and so like I think bands just gotta go out there and meet people. Like it's just it's a pain in the ass sometimes because you're in the sticks. But like it's it's fun. Uh, whenever I, I play out anywhere outside of LA, I like talk to politics. I'll talk to people out there. I'll get with you know become friends with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. so you never know when you need a place to stay and sleep, and then you know you come back and they bring their friends, and then. And, and just that becomes, you know, kind of a a routine that you have that you go every other every few months out there. So sure. I think that's the only the way to do it. And I, it's easy it's easy to kind of just post yourself out there in social media, but you, you still have to kind of be there. People have to connect with you, or else they won't they just won't do it. They won't do it their part. You need to hop in the, the van and do some research. Junior, yeah. Junior, we're. We we can definitely use an extra driver. I mean, sometimes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, push come to shove. I guess they, they the legends can always go to Mexico. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't think of it. And I think the legends legends just have to go. They'll follow you guys. The, the, all the legends. It's just the non legends that we have to. <laughs> we have to hustle a little bit more, but uh, just but a little bit more. That's the cool part about Mexico. Ska is huge, and some of yeah. the the biggest the biggest bands in Mexico are ska bands, like stadium stadium bands are ska bands. Really. Yeah, true. The big band in Latin America is Los Aulos, Los Cadillacs, and they would do two stadiums like one night after the other. You know? Yeah, yeah, great. Mexico City. Yeah, mm -hmm. nice, nice. So, any closing thoughts, gentlemen? We're nearing our point of departure. Just want to thank you guys for inviting me, uh, giving me a voice, and giving me and Bernie kind of a uh, something that nobody really cares about most of the time. They just oh, don't. You can use don't. <laughs> and and I think it's an important thing that you guys are doing. Uh, well, we, and thank you. We we yeah we we appreciate that. Um, yeah, we we've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah, right. Yeah, for for the longest time, and 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 you know, things happen sometimes. Things fall through. Things uh but but no it, it's super important i mean we can speak you know from the from the southern california side of things but just the importance to as junior said early on keeping the scene vibrant and, and growing yeah. right um in the exposure you know whether it's whether it's on the traditional side to the to the more 
uh, ska punk to the ska core, you know, um, yeah, it's super, super important. And, and, yeah. um, we want to give thanks to you all, uh, Bernie, any, uh, any closing final thoughts? Well, uh, I want to thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's been an honor. I, it was unexpected. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just really happy to what what how how big this scene has grown from when I started coming to Los Angeles or when I started playing in Tijuana. I remember doing these these shows and suddenly this this huge scene was created and over the years it got more integrated because back in the day on one side there was the Mexican people and the other side was the American people and usually there were shows on on each on each other's on, on on each one side, so they wouldn't go here, they wouldn't come there, and now I see everybody getting together. So that's the wonderful part of Sky, and uh, and um, you know, and, and I'm just happy I can talk about these uh, these stories I have from the past. And uh, after 25 years of doing this, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm very happy to be considered a, uh, somewhat in in, in in the scene and then. And Los Angeles has always been like an adopted scene to us. Like I, I hear Jose talking about the bands and he mentions us like we were a local band from here too. And it makes me feel yeah. good. It's, it's a, Los Angeles was the first city to open its doors to us after like after Tijuana. And, and this was the first city we ever visited internationally. So right. we always grateful. And the, the first city we gave us a label and stuff. So we were very very much in debt to Los Angeles and, and that scene and, and we love them and uh, we, I'm always happy to be here. Well, so we have to work harder uh, collectively to grow the scene in Tijuana. Uh, let let me it. know what you need and I, I'm, I'm, I know all the people. Another, can, we need another help. 150 people to come out to shows to see Legend. Okay. Yeah. No, no. In Tijuana, we 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 had those big uh, reggae shows, and there's a big reggae scene. So, oh yes, but for the legend, for the traditional skies, it's a struggle. Yeah, no, there's more bands now today, so it's 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 uh, it, you would be surprised. Uh, yeah, just you know, shoot me an email. Let's talk about it, and I'll I'll put you in contact with the right people. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Sounds like a deal. That would be great. Yeah. Well, um, guys, Jose, Bernie, definitely appreciate it, and and thanks for all you do. Um, continue to make music and getting out there, uh, Bernie. Hopefully, we see those Kung Fu Monkeys on on the road at some point this year or next year. Uh, Jose, gonna definitely make sure to say hi to you when 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 we uh, get to a show with Matamosca. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You fellas, you guys are definitely invited. Let's uh, yeah. We're gonna any upcoming shows in LA? Well, he, you, uh, you the one in the House of Blues Anaheim coming up, right? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, House of Blues. Right. Okay. Next, also, yeah. You guys are welcome. We can shotgun some twenty dollar uh, tall cans together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds sounds good. Nice, now, nice, nice. Yeah. De definitely appreciate uh, you both. And Junior, thank you as always. Yes. Well, thanks to everyone for ongoing support. Please subscribe to the podcast series and of course our YouTube channel. Follow at History of LASK on Instagram and join our Facebook group. Yeah, that's growing really and truly. Please Fantastic. follow this gentleman yes, uh, at Junior. Okay. And this series is produced by Rockery Radio at Rockery underscore radio. Thank you all for watching and listening. Definitely appreciate all the love and support. Until next time, Jose Bernie Jr. Indeed. You all take care and be good. Get out and support some live music. Much love. Take care. Eric. Bye -bye. Much love, guys. Thanks. Take care. Adios.